Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. A good product doesn't just solve problems, it makes a customer feel good. And that could start with the buying experience itself. Smart retailers know how to balance a hard sell with a soft touch, making customers believe that they are in control and more importantly, that they are special. For a lot of retailers, that means cultivating an experience. For Rusty Phillips, co-owner of the Bougie Bar here in downtown Lafayette, the experience is everything. Bougie Bar is essentially a candle-making activity center. Groups book time at the shop and bring snacks and drinks to enjoy while they make custom candles. The shop also retails goodies like shirts, mugs, and chocolates. The concept was a natural extension of bourbon royalty, the candle manufacturer Rusty founded with his business partner, Jamie. Jamie made candles as kind of a side hustle, and then the business grew into a pretty big producer with around 800 wholesale accounts in 14 states. The bougie bar was born out of customer demand. Folks would pop it in the warehouse and say, hey, I want to make candles. And in 2019, bougie bar was born. Rusty Phillips, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, When you're selling clothes, you're selling something personal, all the more so when you're selling something intimate like bras and lingerie. My guest, Megan McCarran-Savoy, is the owner of La Femme, a bra fitting studio and retailer here in Lafayette. La Femme's specialty is quality and customization. Her staff is expertly trained in fitting the hand-selected brands they carry, and they help customers think through all of the possible applications and needs for their purchases. They have a lactation consultant and an expert in mastectomy fitting on staff. It's a complicated business. Women often hate bras. They can be uncomfortable to wear and awkward to purchase. La Femme's answer is attention to detail and a community vibe. They're selling confidence, Megan says, and she would know. Megan was a loyal customer before she bought the shop in 2021. Megan McCarran-Savoie, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. So, Rusty, I kind of wanted to start with the transition from the, 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 the manufacturing company to having a retail front. I've talked to a lot of folks, right, who make things or sell things, and retailing can be a headache, right? And you guys kind of set up something where you've got wholesalers, you've got a thing that works. And so I guess my question is, is when you decided to open up the retail front, were you concerned that it might be more trouble than it's worth, given you kind of already had a good thing going? So the real question is, how does a social worker and an accountant that works for Blue Cross open a candle bar and a wholesale business? (laughs) (laughs) You can interview yourself. I have no problems with that. That started the wild journey. Uh, But to your question about retail, uh, we knew nothing about retail. We know how to make candles uh, and we know how to provide an experience. Um, For us, it was how do we capture... um, people that are walking into our stores to make a custom candle, how can we take that person and sell them something else? So if they've had a great experience and they're walking out the door, what is it, what type of gift, what type of item will stand out to them? So what we found pretty quickly was impulse gifts. So something that's witty, sassy, impulsive, um, that just stands out. And so most of the times our retail is really they buy it for somebody else yeah so it's hardly ever for themselves it's oh this will be funny for my coworker or my sister or (laughs) my mother 
something like that. So and I have to imagine a lot of the, the marketing there then comes from, you know, a, a group comes in, they have an event, you know, you know, somebody brings in their four friends and somebody of the four friends says, I got to do this for my four friends. I mean, is that kind of what you were thinking would happen? Yeah. So that's exactly what we thought would happen. Uh, the power of uh, social media is a big uh, builder for us and pushes our uh, parties. Mm -hmm. But organically speaking, when someone comes in with a party, uh, typically one, two, three people are excited and want to have their own party as well. Mm -hmm. So we book parties off of parties. Yeah. So, so Megan, you know, your shop, uh, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, where you fit in in the larger retail space, right? And, you know, to an extent, you've got something that's couture, it's also customized, right? It's something that you see often in clothing is people are basically competing against fast fashion or convenience. And so, I mean, does that same logic apply to something like, you know, bra fitting, where, you know, you're trying to convince a customer that it's sort of worth their time and the extra expense to come into your shop as opposed to just buy 30 bras on Amazon or whatever it is? Uh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, Amazon is, I feel like, the thing that brings the most people into our store. Okay. Uh, a bra that they keep trying to rebuy yeah. and are still miserable in all day long. Uh, that is the moment where they walk in and they're like, help. Get me out of this <laughs> okay. thing. I'm clearly doing this wrong. Yeah. Uh, our biggest referral sources are every shop in the mall. Wow. Um, and it's also similar to what my, you know, co-friend over here yeah. rusty was saying is one person coming in and having a good experience getting five new bras that actually fit walking into work and being like hi everyone here needs to go get fit professionally <laughs> y'all are all miserable for the wrong reason so i have to think that this was the way that this was done for a long time until it Absolutely. wasn't yes uh yes and no it I would say that every major city has these uh, almost competitive nature of uh, professional bra fitting shops in them. Uh, Louisiana, Texas, mm -hmm. a couple other southern states don't ever really uh, have the history of having those mm -hmm. as much as other states do, but they are still booming uh, internationally. Obviously, like Europe mm -hmm. prioritizes this as a need that every woman has, and the fact that um, it never really was super taking off in the southern states here. Kind of is an interesting concept, but it, yeah. it exists pretty strongly other places. Y yeah. So, so Rusty, you know, you kind of mentioned that, you know, and I apologize if I think I've flipped what the business model is here a little bit. I mean, you know, you're an experienced place first. I mean, maybe a, a retailer second. And, of course, it was like people coming into the warehouse, right, or friends that you had who were just like, interested in the process of, of making candles, right? But, I mean, was it always sort of part of the idea that maybe you'd have – like stuff to sell there or did you think going into this that it really was going to come down to like people love to go and hang out and talk and do stuff the initial thought was just to make candles yeah uh, we didn't know retail so we didn't think that we would do retail yeah. um, this whole business opened within three weeks in October of 2019 so we <laughs> okay. literally yeah. moved into a suite right behind Tsunami yeah. for three months yeah and uh, after the first two weeks, it did so well, we bought a few things to put in the store yeah. and it started selling. Yeah. So that's kind of how we started with retail. But we didn't know what we were doing. We were just buying it and putting it in the store. It's a pretty smart idea to sort of pilot it, right? To give yourself sort of like, hey, here's a way I can get in. I mean, was that just sort of an accident of history had an opportunity to do it? I mean, how did you, not a lot of businesses are able to sort of stand up a pop-up in that way. 
Yeah. So Jamie's a true entrepreneur. Um, I am the one that figures out how to get things done. Sure. And so this business came about because we were walking downtown for Art Walk and mm -hmm. I had a little too much Chardonnay. And we came out of one of the boutiques and he said, we should open a candle bar. <laughs> I said, yes. Social workers never give one word answers. Yeah. I said, yes. The next day uh, we went and looked at the spot. Uh, Michelle Ezel was so gracious to us, let us go in and try it out. And literally that's what we did. We yeah. made a Facebook page and started advertising on radio and mm -hmm. filled it up. Yeah, that's great. I mean, so Megan, like Rusty here, right? You weren't a you know, bra salesman, it wasn't your college degree you had, this was something you came to later in life, right? I mean, you know, you're looking around, you're looking at businesses, you think this is the one that you want to buy into to, to purchase. I mean, again, I mean, the retail business can be difficult. Like, why did you sort of go there as opposed to all the other business concepts that you might have considered? I mean, the easy answer to that is I'm a girl's girl. Okay. I love being in women's spaces. Uh, I was a teacher at an all-girls school, and um, that always felt like the right move for me. So I knew if I was going to be uh, getting into business, getting into an entrepreneurial career, it needed to be for a reason or a demographic that really motivated me mm -hmm. and something that kind of felt uh, right. Mm -hmm. Did you, at what point in, in, in this process did you, I mean, did you have to learn how to do the fittings yourself? I mean, was like, I, I know you kind of send your employees out to learn the process. I mean, was that the first step for you to like, well, I got to learn the trade? Uh, absolutely. Yep. I did not fit any bras for a long time. Yep. I let, you know, I, I inherited an incredible fitter named Brittany okay. uh, as I bought the business and she stuck along with me and did all the fittings until we got a team and I was professionally trained. So yeah. uh, I went to New York and at market every year and additionally on social media and at other events, we all keep uh, our training really fresh yeah. and we take it really seriously. We're kind of bra nerds. <laughs> bra nerds, I like that. I mean, Rusty, you talk about how, you know, it was, this kind of all springs right from Jamie making candles right uh -huh. and if i got this right i mean he was selling them at maybe farmers markets yes. just kind of hand making this stuff i mean she gets two questions right i mean how did he get into making candles right and then how do you go from i'm selling them at a farmer's market to wholesaling it which you know i've talked to a lot of folks who get their businesses sort of started at a farmer's market it usually goes from farmer's market to brick and mortar retail right they don't often go to we're going to supply other companies to sell it's a very yeah. different kind of proposition so uh, Jamie's sister actually bought a candle kit yeah. and in true form, she'll probably hate me when she hears this story, but uh, <laughs> Jennifer loves to buy things and start them yeah. and she'll do it once or twice and then she's on to something else. Yeah. Uh, she's a teacher now. <laughs> she's been a teacher enough. for a while. Yes, she is. Okay, and she's good. working right. on a master, so she's doing well. <laughs> okay, uh, Jamie took that kit, yeah. started making candles and that's how he started. He started selling them just to his co-workers that he worked with yep. then the farmers markets and it just kind of went from there yeah. but literally it started from a kit from his sister so like how do you get to that the wholesaling in my mind maybe i'm misunderstanding how that even works but i mean you know you're usually doing high volume kind of stuff and i mean i'm yeah. presuming it's not just jamie back there making candles right so when we first started yep. uh the warehouse which was a room small room yeah was in baton rouge the first retailer we had was red door interiors yeah uh, Aaron was the owner of the store there, and that was the first place that the candles were put in. It was a learning experience. From there, we met a sales rep that was an independent sales rep for Louisiana, and she liked the product, liked Jamie, 
and said, I'll help you get into stores in Louisiana. So I think in about six months, we were in 50 stores in Louisiana. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I, Megan, I do want to get a better sense maybe of like the landscape for this kind of retail. I mean, are, is, are there other, you know, businesses like yours in Lafayette? I mean, how common is a La Femme, I guess is my question. Uh, I would say it's pretty rare. Okay. Uh, we are the only bra store uh, in the entire area that certainly carries the range of sizes and products that we are able to carry. Okay, yeah. We start at a 28 band, which is, you know, about four sizes smaller than what you can find at any retailer otherwise. Wow. And then we go up to a 50 band, which is about... 10 sizes, sometimes 15 sizes larger than any other local retailer. Wow. Uh, and then similarly, we started an A cup and we go to a size O cup. So mm -hmm. everyone thinks double D is the biggest size you can have and we go significantly larger and we fit that size almost every day. Wow, so I mean, I would guess that the, the, the reason that spectrum might be thinner in, in mass retail is because of a sense of, oh, there's a lack of demand there, but it doesn't sound like that's a problem for you. No, I think it's a lack of education. I think they're not, I think it's people don't know their bra size. There's stats out there that 60 to 80% of women are walking around with a bra that is entirely wrong. Wow. Um, and essentially they just want it to fit around them instead of it fitting anatomically correct. So wow. I mean, that's the issue. Is it, is it, is it that much of an aha moment for them then? I mean, like, does yes. it kind of click for them immediately? I mean, how do you even talk them into that? I guess is my question. We do it in a way that makes them feel really safe. We don't announce sizes. We take two quick measurements. We put them in a fit bra. And typically, like I'd say the most common story is someone walking in in like a 38C mm -hmm. and leaving in like a 32I. Okay. And that is the huge difference in sizes that they have. And immediately when they put that first bra on that we bring in, we're not sitting there like shaming them okay. for not knowing the right size. They put it on and they say, this is what it's supposed to have been feeling like the whole time. Um, and so we don't really have to work hard for the sale after that. They want to see three or four more options. They need a strapless. They need a black bra, something, you know, for a, a work outfit that's really specific. And then we bring them all their options and it's, that's, call it a day. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Rusty Phillips, co-owner of the Bougie Bar, and Megan McCarran-Savoie, owner of La Femme. We'll be right back. Support for Out to Lunch at Katiana comes from Adeta Corporate Staffing. Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, Camellia Productions Marketing Consulting, Corette Leadership Lab, Communication and Conflict Resolution, Feigley Communications, Full Service Marketing, Gamble PR, HR NOLA, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Lolo's Youth Yoga and Art Studio, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment Since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, Available in Select Grocery Stores. New Orleans Investment Conference, November 1st through 4th. Noki, New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute. Passion Lily, Rev Realtors, The Idea Village, The Scout Guide Baton Rouge, and The Scout Guide New Orleans. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Megan McCarran-Savoie, owner of La Femme, and Rusty Phillips, co-owner of The Bougie Bar. Rusty, were, were you surprised that people wanted to make candles? I mean, I think I've heard of, like, you know, I've done stuff with my wife, for instance, like we've gone to pottery classes, right? You know, you, you know that you can do the palettes and pate kind of thing. You go and you group paint. I mean, was it just sort of like a natural extension? Like, yeah, this just makes sense. Or, or were you seeing that people out there really specifically wanted to make candles? 
So I think people are looking for experiences yeah. over just a commodity. Now people want to do something in a group. They want to socialize and they want to have something as a result of that experience. And so for us, having success in the wholesale side of it, seeing that people love candles, um, the natural inclination was, can we put this in front of somebody to create their own custom candle? And not just have it as a DIY, one, two, three, make a candle, you're out the door, but make it a celebration experience. So our parties are two hour time lengths, which means you have time to make a candle, you have time to celebrate, you have time to listen to music, you have time to dance, whatever it is that you want to do. Within reason, of course. <laughs> Within reason. No Is tequila, vodka, or bourbon anymore. <laughs> so Only can, wine and champagne. So that's okay. Yeah, with soccer spirits is probably a good idea. Um, you don't want people to start like lighting things on fire. I would think. Um, Correct. Do do you do, do, do? Is it hard to make a candle? So there is a science behind making candles. Yeah. You can go to Hobby Lobby, Michaels, Amazon, and buy product and try to make your own candles at home, yeah. but it gets into the type of wax, the type of wick, how much fragrance, is it a good fragrance, what's the blend of the fragrance, how hot did you get the wax, what temperature did you pour at, how long did it set, what was the room temperature like. So once you get that down pat, the rest is easy. So on our end, it was doing testing and research on all of our vessels, different types of fragrances, so that when a guest comes in, we take something that may be complicated to make and put it in simple steps. Mm -hmm. So unlike other DIY projects where you have to go in and very meticulously pay attention to what you're doing, we set our program in a way where it's an easygoing, laid-back experience. Mm -hmm. So you don't even realize that you're actually walking through a process until your candle's made. I mean, I've already forgotten like the nine steps you told me to go through. I mean, it, how, <laughs> how do you distill that down to what people could do? Is it like, here's the specific wax or whatever that you have to use, yeah. you just pour it in here and you add this, I mean, is it that simple? I mean. I, so it is that simple. Okay. Uh, remember, Jamie and I started this ourselves. So we not only worked full time, we did all the parties the first year for ourselves. Wow. One morning, we were leaving to go to market. At 1 o'clock in the morning, I realized that our employees that we had just hired had no script on how to run parties like we wanted them to run. Uh -huh. So at about 1 o'clock in the morning, I made the first ever script yeah. on how to go, how to have a candle party from beginning to end and what all of those steps were. Wow. Over the course of time, of course, we've refined that and got it into a fun experience. Wow. I mean, Megan, you know, you had to learn how to do bra fitting yourself, right? You talked about how there was a woman that you inherited, I guess, from the shop who was an expert bra yeah. fitter. I mean, does it take a long time to learn to properly fit a bra? Uh, a long time. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but I feel like it's kind of one of those ever ending, never ending pits of yep. information. You can take a deep dive on it for life and probably never uh, get to the bottom of every single element of a bra that you could learn about. Yeah. Uh, there are basics that, that I feel like we can train uh, a new employee in in a month or two, but I still want them to go off and be professionally trained wow. somewhere reputable. Yeah. Um, so this is not just like a subset of tailoring, right? I mean, I'm thinking about people who, you know, it might, I would presume takes a while to learn to be a tailor, but like that's not just like an applied science here. I mean, there's specific kind of technology that's associated with this. Absolutely. Uh, every shape, every brand, where the brand is uh, manufactured matters. If a Polish bra versus a French, Italian, and American bra all yep. are completely different bras, and I would not use them on the same person. 
Um, How do you determine what nationality of bra somebody needs to wear? Uh, it's usually in the underwire width. So okay. American bras have really wide underwire widths that um, are going to scoop all the tissue all the way into the armpit. Wow. Whereas like a Polish or um, an Italian bra are going to be much narrower and they want everything shooting forward and up. So um, so there's an element, I guess, of like cultural expectation, like aesthetics, something, that kind of thing. But also it sounds like the actual structure of the thing. Correct. And then also feeding off the customer's energy. Uh, I feel like the biggest thing that changes in the training that I do every six months is words that are comforting and appropriate or are kind of outdated and not necessarily empowering to women. So, for example, we use the word tissue to talk about most of what we're discussing in a fitting. Um, And that word is so much more careful and so much more palatable to people who are nervous or not confident about their bodies. And so I train my staff and um, they're also just interested in training themselves in that top industry language to make sure that we are an incredibly body positive experience that doesn't have any association of um, shame or dissatisfaction with where they are in that moment. Sure, that's really powerful. Um, You know, Rusty, you know, you mentioned, it sounds like you cut off, right, maybe the hard alcohol at some point, right, for people. We've all been there, There's and we know that that was probably that. sure. Well, and I would love to get to that, but uh, but I mean, have you considered or like just selling the booze yourself? I mean, it occurred to me that like you know, do you charge a corking fee? I mean, how does that go? Yeah, so we actually looked into it um, early on uh, here in Lafayette at our bougie bar here uh, in this parish. You yep. have to have a license to sell, so we are actually licensed as a BYOB establishment. Okay, our uh, employees have to have bar cards, okay. even though we're not touching alcohol or anything like that. The short answer is to get licensed, you go from a BYOB to being a bar. Mm-hmm. So we have children's parties come in and all of that. So we are working to try to find a middle ground between BYOB and bar status, yeah. where we could have a cooler with fun wine that's, yeah. you know, canned wine or something like that where we're not mixing drinks but having it to sell. I mean, do you guys do any kind of, you know, uh, co-branded events with other types of, um, you know, uh, companies? I mean, it seems like if you're building experience, like being able to bring in, you know, a, a profit or I don't know if that's really the yeah. right thing, but you get my sense. I'm thinking maybe of trunk shows and those kinds of things. Do you often see pop-ups that show up at companies, right? That helps sort of enhance the experience. And also maybe give you know yeah. a, a, a chance for audience development, right? Yeah. So um, Rev Coffee, we partnered with uh, several times when they first started their mobile bar carts yeah. for coffee. They did a pop up for our Mother's Day out sure. events. So we've done that. We've done trunk shows. We invite other local artists to come, uh, especially for Art Walk, yeah. where they can come in and do trunk shows as well too. Yeah. I mean, I know Megan. To me, you're not selling a specific, you know brand per se, right? You usually think about trunk show type approaches as being like, hey, you know, this is my product and I'm going to go sell it. But I mean, do you do any kind of marketing for yourself in that way? Or is it mostly trying to get people into your store? Like, are you finding you have to like kind of go out onto the street, so to speak, to kind of get what you do uh, more in front of people? Uh, Social media has been incredible for us in terms of getting our audience in the door. We absolutely partner with plenty of other businesses and do collaborations and things like that, but that's not our bread and butter. We want them in the fit room and we want it to be on our own territory. So so like mobile fitting is not a thing, I guess. 
I mean, it could be. Um, yeah. I just like to have our, we have a bra library with a booby decimal system. Okay. Um, and that sounds I like extensive. My, it is. Um, <laughs> I like my full library at my fingertips when I'm doing a first time fitting. Sure. I mean, is it, you said a, a booby decimal, sorry. <laughs> a booby decimal I, I, system. I, I, I'm glad that it has a sense of humor about it. But, but I mean, like, I, it still makes me think of like a card catalog. I mean, surely this yes. thing's on a computer, right? Oh, it's a catalog. Oh, it is a yeah. huge wall organized just like a library in okay. terms of like a coding system and yeah. the types of bras, sizes, colors, everything. Reference books, so on and so forth. Absolutely. Got You've got it. your sports right. section, <laughs> you know? Sure. You do, of course. I mean, that makes sense. You would have them sort of segmented in that way uh, you know one thing that i noticed about both of y'all is you you find ways for both of your businesses to support some some local nonprofits. i mean uh rusty can you tell me a little bit about the relationship you guys have with healing house i can yeah. just quickly i'm i'm seeing for breast cancer awareness maybe we should make like uh uh, bra nerd candles and put I the decimal it. system on like the top six and sell them and donate I the money. Love it. Can we get um, some boobs on the outside yes, of the candle? Yes, we can. Okay, we great. absolutely can. Okay. Uh, so we, uh, I'm a social worker. Uh, yeah. uh, giving back and helping others is literally, um, you know, ingrained within me. Yeah. And so when we got to a point where we could give back, yeah. we started looking at who, what, when, where, what do we want to do? Hilling House is a local nonprofit here in Lafayette. They work with children that have experienced grief. Yeah. Their services are free. Yeah. And so during COVID, uh, when COVID first happened, they do a martini gala. It got canceled because no one could be in public spaces. They had about 150 to 200 martini glasses that they couldn't get rid of. Uh, one of the employees used to work for me at one of my agencies back uh, few years ago and just messaged me it's like hey we have these glasses can you do anything with them yeah let's put a candle in them and let's sell them so we poured candles we donated the candles we sold them exclusively through Caroline and Company Charlotte owns uh, is the owner of Caroline and Company she donated a hundred percent of the profit to Healing House on top of that we donated an additional fifteen dollars a candle so we ended up at like $45 a candle times 150 to 200 plus candles. Wow. And that's how we got started with Healing House. We've only grown from there. We now sponsor the gala. We continue to do the martinis. And with Bougie Bar, we do their event day. We see about 120 guests that come in and make candles through Healing House fundraisers as well, too. That's amazing. So. Yeah. Um, and then, Megan, you guys have a relationship with Miles Pratt, right? Let me tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I've been working on that deal for a while. Um, essentially, when I bought the business, we had a mastectomy side of the business that um, was obviously really important. One in four women are going to get breast cancer. We're the boob store. We're the bra store. We might. We need to be a part of that journey. Um, however, there are a bunch of other businesses in town taking insurance and doing the kind of medical side of that really well. And we kept having trouble with kind of having a medical type thing in the same space as a retail thing. Mm -hmm. So an 11 year old getting a bra fitting for the first time and someone who has been through the ringer with radiation and is upset, mm -hmm. it's kind of awkward to be in the same space. We rehoused all of our mastectomy services to be with Miles Perret. Our fitter goes there once a month. All of our product is over there and we roll out the red carpet specifically for breast cancer survivors or breast cancer patients. Um, who are not insured or are not covered in their insurances for prosthetic breasts and bras. Yeah, well, like that's such great work that both of you find space in that business. I gotta say, I started the show by saying that, like, you know, 
people in good business make other people feel good. And I've just had a great time talking with both of you. So thanks for joining me on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Christian. My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana have been uh, Megan McCarran Savoie, owner of La Femme, and Rusty Phillips, co-founder of the Bougie Bar. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRVS. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about the Bougie Bar and La Femme by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, itsacadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Associate producer is Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. And today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit newsroom. If you want to get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletters. We'll see you here next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.